Well, good morning. Good morning. My name is uh, Taylor Russell, and for most of y'all that don't know me, I'm one of the fellows up here at Grace. I get to work with the college ministry. Um, absolutely love it. I've worked here this past, this past year, and I'm about to go into my second and last year of it, um, and I am incredibly excited. Um, but even more, I'm excited right now because I get to teach this morning. Um, Trey asked me back in May if I would uh, teach after I got back from my mission trip in East Asia this summer, and I was... Absolutely, yes. I absolutely wanted to. And so this morning we're going to be going over Psalm 96 um, and getting to talk about uh, singing and singing to the nations and learning a little bit more about God's heart for the nations. Um, But before we do that, I have this video that I wanted to show y'all. Some of y'all might have seen it. It's hilarious. I love it. Um, And so we're going to go ahead and uh, watch this video. Oh my gosh, okay, that's hilarious. I've seen that video like 20 times in preparation for this, and it just gets funny and funny, I think, every time I see it. But yeah, so C.S. Lewis has this quote um, when he's talking about praise, and this is what he says. It's awesome. He says, The most obvious fact about praise, whether of God or anything, strangely escaped me. I thought of it in terms of compliments, approval, or the giving of honor. I never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. The world rings with praise. Lovers praising their mistresses, readers their favorite poet, walkers the countryside, players their favorite games. He says, my whole more general difficulty about the praise of God depended on me absurdly denying that we delight to do what we indeed can't help but doing about everything we value. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because praise not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. It is is the appointed consummation of it. It is not the compliment that keeps lovers keeping on telling one another how beautiful they are, but the delight is incomplete until they've expressed it. And what he does is he goes on to say that if you've read one of your favorite books or you've heard a super funny joke, that you can't fully enjoy that book. You can't fully enjoy that joke until you tell somebody else. There's, there's that in you that wants to tell other people. And that's essentially what praise is, is telling people about the enjoyment that you have. And it, it's not just some neglectable piece of enjoyment, but instead it's the consummation of it. It's that in order, in order to fully enjoy something, um, you necessarily will praise it. And as we look at Psalm 96 this morning, um, we're going to see that God's, the praise of God goes beyond just telling the people around you. Um, is that when you enlarge your heart to the size that God's heart is, and when you see the nations the way that God sees them, is that there's no way that you can be content with a, a microscopic view of just your own personal worship or the worship or telling the people that are just immediately around you that is that when you have the heart that God has for the nations, when you enlarge your heart around that, that that microscopic view of people worshiping God is just too small because God's heart is so much bigger than that. And it's not bad to want to, or it's not bad to be, you know, excited about doing ministry in your community or doing ministry with the people around you. Those things are those things are amazing. Those things are part of the Christian walk that we're supposed to do is tell the people around us what we're passionate about. But if that's all that you see, then your view of worship is too small and God wants it to be so much bigger. And so my big question to you this morning is how should we feel about the nations? 
Um, when you think about the nations, what should be the feelings that come into your heart and into your mind? John Piper has this awesome quote that he says, missions exist because worship doesn't, and that worship is ultimate. Okay, and that, 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 that's huge, that worship is ultimate. We were created, we, we were created to worship God. We were created to worship him in community with other believers. That's what we were made to do. And missions exist because that worship doesn't take place all over the world. That the worship of God is ultimate and that missions is what comes from that. Um, in Psalm 96, uh, we're going to see what it looks like to worship with the nations. As y'all have talked in the past couple of weeks with JT and Kyle, uh, you've been talking about the attributes of God, getting to hear about God's power, his love, his justice, and his mercy, and all these different things. You get to hear about the attributes of God. And Kyle talked on the first couple of weeks about actually worshiping God and why we worship God um, and do all these things. But think for a second that there are right now that there's millions of people, there's hundreds of millions of people that when you say something like, bless the Lord, oh my soul, when we sing that, when you sing my soul that's filled and completed only in God, when you say it, because you know that, that there are just millions of people that that doesn't even compute with. That when you say, hey, there's a God that loves you, or there's a God that died for you, that, that makes no sense. And there's people that can't, they can't sing that, but much less they don't even know that that's something to sing about. Um, and so my goal this morning in going through Psalm 96 is to enlarge our hearts around the nations, to see the nations the way that God sees them, um, and then in that, getting to praise and, and glorify um, God with them. So I'm going to read Psalm 96, and I'm going to read it in its entirety, um, and then we will jump on into it. So if, if you have your Bibles, you can open up and read along, or you can just listen to my voice. Uh, it says, verse 1, O sing to the Lord a new song, Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, and tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the people, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name, bring offerings and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established, it shall never be moved. He will judge the people with equity. Let the heavens be glad, let the earth rejoice. Let the seas roar and all that fill them. Let the fields exalt and everything in them. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth, and he will judge the world in righteousness and the people in his faithfulness. I'm going to pray real quick, and then we will jump on in. God, thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for passages like this that let us see the pure joy and excitement that is supposed to be behind the mission of worshiping you with the world. Uh, I pray that as we look at this psalm together, that you would enlarge our hearts around the nations, and that you would help us to see them the way that you do, and that we would be encouraged by what you have uh, asked us to do here. God, thank you so much for this morning, and for all the gifts that you give us, and we pray all these things in your son's holy name. So as you can see, this psalm talks a ton about two things. It talks about singing a lot, and it talks about the nations a lot. These are the, these are the two big ideas of Psalm 96. And so what we're going to do over the next 
couple minutes is we're going to try to find the connection between one, singing, and then two, the nations, and then how those are supposed to go together. So first, singing to God. Why are we doing it, and what are we supposed to be doing when we sing to God? Well, uh, as Kyle probably talked a couple of weeks back, that when we sing, um, we are declaring the truths about God to God. Um, that we are singing about things like his, his love and his mercy and his compassion and his strength and his justice and his kingdom and his salvation and his not, all these different things that when we sing, that those are the things that we're declaring and those are the things that we're supposed to be declaring. But you might ask, why can't I just say these things? Why can't I, you know, I could just say God is powerful or God is omniscient or he's, you know, he's all these different things. So why are we called to sing it? Well, when we sing stuff, it is the easiest and fastest way for us to express uh, how we feel. Um, that in song, I mean, as, as most of y'all know, in song, th- there's like this transcendent thing that um, you're able to do when you sing, right? So I could just sit up here and say God is love or he's compassionate or he's, he, he's strong or all these things. But if I sing those things, it goes a little bit further beyond that. Uh, and the cool thing about the Psalms is that the, the way that the Psalms were written um, is that they're meant to address the mind through the heart, right? So when you read through the Psalms, um, you read through David's Psalms or any of these things, they show you an image of a situation that they were in, or they show you uh, an emotion that they felt when they were in a certain situation. As you read that, you're supposed to feel a certain way, and then because of the way that you feel, then it changes the way that you think about reality, right? That songs are amazing like that, and so when you get to sing about those different things, they're going to address your mind, they're going to address the way that you think by affecting your heart. Uh, right? Another thing that's amazing about music is that you think about it, it's one of the only things on this planet that is completely cross-cultural. So I was in East Asia this summer, and I, some of y'all that were on my team are in here right now, and you can understand that there are, not even food is always cross-cultural. There are things that we were eating when I was in East Asia on a summer project this summer that I don't think it's food. I don't think it's meant to be consumed. Um, but yet they were eating that. So not even food, it's cross-cultural. But you think about music, music is absolutely cross-cultural. It crosses um, cultural boundaries. It crosses um, race. It crosses language. It crosses time periods. I mean, you think about it from the earliest civilizations on earth all the way up until now, everybody has always in some way been enamored by music. Uh, they've always had songs that they've sung or they had instruments that they've played. Everybody plays music because there's something about music that, that, that stirs something up in you that other things can't do by like talking or um, sports or, or whatever it might be. I mean, my, me, myself, when I was in high school, I was, I've always been in love with music. I was in a band all throughout high school. I would go and play shows with my buddies. Uh, I was one of those, you know, I was in that group that talked about all of like the unknown indie bands that no one else on the planet knew about, but I thought they were like the coolest ever, like the best works of art since uh, Michelangelo. You know, like I, I loved music. It was a part of who I was and I would go to shows and I would be around people that I would have absolutely never have hung out with in high school. But because of this music, there was this connection that music had between us that we would go listen to the same music or we'd go hang out at the same place. And music has that that ability. Um, Martin Luther says in a quote, he says, next to the word of God, uh, the noble art of music is the greatest treasure in the world. And I mean, I would have to absolutely agree. You know, I read the Bible and it stirs up things up in me. But besides that, singing songs, as y'all worship this morning and sung songs, it stirs something up in you that a lot of things just don't have the ability to do. And so in Psalm 96, God is saying, he, the psalmist is saying, sing to the Lord, sing these songs to the Lord, express 
what he's done in your life. It says sing a new song. Sing the things that God's doing in your heart on a daily basis back to him. He's asking you to take the gift that he's given you and return it to him in worship. But it goes way beyond that because it doesn't say just, hey, you individually sing to God, but it says sing to the nations, sing with the nations and declare uh, his declares glory. And so, yeah, verse three, it says, declare the glory among the nations over all the people. So it's a, it's a pretty simple statement. It says, declare to the nations. Well, the first questions that we have to ask when it's saying declare the nations is who are these nations that we're supposed to go sing to? So we just talked about the singing. Now let's move into the nations part of it. Well, first, the nations are not a political sphere of influence like we often think about, right? So when he's saying, go declare his glory among the nations, he's not saying, hey, go just to India and uh, tell about his glory. Or, hey, go to just um, England or France or Argentina. Don't go to, he's not saying just go to these political spheres of influence because those things are ever changing. There's a country that's there today that might not be a country there tomorrow, but that's often the way that we think about the nations. So who are these nations and how should we think about them? Well, they should be better defined as people groups identified by their ethno-linguistic differences. So that's a, a big word, and I'm not trying to just um, be cool up here. But what does, that, what does that mean, these ethno-linguistic differences? Well, what he's saying is, is that there's different people across the planet right now that are divided based on their different ethnicities and their different languages, that there's different cultures around all the world, um, that that's what divides them from another people group, not just their physical boundary, right? And so, for example, don't think of India, but think of roughly 2,500 different people groups and over 450 completely different languages, right? So you think about India, don't think, I'm going to India. Well, there's 2,500 different people groups just in that political country right now. So think about those. Those are the people that God is saying go to because those are the ones that are going, uh, that, that he desires of people of all different nations, of all different ethnicities um, to worship him. Uh, so that's the who, but why in the world would we go to these different nations? Uh, why would God ask us to worship with people that are so incredibly different. I mean, there's like, there's some intense cross-cultural boundaries that you have to overcome in order for these people to be able to worship with God. So why would he uh, ask us to sing with them? Well, a couple different reasons. Firstly, as we look at this passage, it says that God uh, is great and that he's greatly to be praised. I mean, I think that's that's your overall point about anything that, that we do. Why do we worship? Well, it's because God's great. Uh, all things come from God. Like we, as Christians, we know that God created us um, and that he gave us all the gifts of our life um, and that he loved us so much that he came into the world, died for us on the cross to save us, right? We know that. We know that all life flows directly from God into us, that there is no true life apart from God, much less there's no physical life apart from God because we know that he created us, right? So we know that he's, he's great to be praised. He's done these things that are absolutely great. Another thing that he says in the passage, he says that all other gods are worthless idols. That's why, that's why these nations should be praising him because all their idols that they're worshiping right now are worthless idols. If you think about that for a second, um, this passage is probably the most politically incorrect statement that you can make right now in America, that he's saying that all other gods are completely worthless idols, that the gods that they, they think that they're serving, they're worthless, or the idols that they're running after, or there'd be money, success, any of these things, they're completely worthless, but the entire world that doesn't know Christ, they're worshiping those idols. 
And he's saying they're, they're worthless. There's nothing that can come about him because as we know later from the gospels of Jesus, say that Jesus is the way, that he's the truth, he's the life. There's, there's no other way to know God except for through Jesus Christ, right? And so for the people that are trying to worship God through their idols or through their other religions, he's saying those are absolutely worthless. And so what, why should you go to those nations to declare his glories? Because they're worshiping worthless idols. He's the one true God. And then like it also has in there at the very end of the passage, it, it talks about the rest of creation worshiping God as well. So like I said before, like the ultimate thing that we were created to do was to worship God. And as we see in Psalm 96 towards the end of it, I mean, literally everything on this planet is worshiping God from the, the animals in the sea to the animals on the ground to the forest, all the trees. It says they're singing the praises of God because they're doing what they were created to do. You, you worship God by doing what you were created to do. And it even goes and talks about majesty and strength and beauty, praising God. It's talking about adjectives praising God. I mean, that's, that's kind of crazy. How are adjectives praising God? Well, it's because majesty and strength and beauty, those things are defined by God. And so by being beautiful, they're, they're praise, like these adjectives are able to praise God because they are defined by God right? And so literally everything on this planet was made to worship God, including people. And so when he's saying, go to these nations, he's saying, go to these nations that I, I love. And I, I, I came to love all of these different nations and I want them to worship me. And we have it all over our Bible riddled with God's love for the nation. So like John three sixteen, the most famous Bible verse in the entire Bible, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Right? He's saying that he loved the world so much that he came into the world. That's, that's how God feels about the nations. Or um, In Romans, Paul's talking and he says, Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing your name. And again, it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the people extol him. And so the entire Bible is flooded with God's love for the nations and a desire to see all people worshiping, right? So the question like I had at the beginning is, so how should we feel about the nations? Well, Psalm 96 was not written so that you would be discouraged or scared or overwhelmed by the sheer amount that there's all these different people groups. That's, that's not why Psalm 96 was written, so that you would be scared as in, oh, this, this, this mission's too big, I can't do this. Psalm 96 was written so that you would be excited and exhilarated by the opportunity that you get to share the best piece of news on the planet with other people so that they could turn around and glorify and worship God with you, right? Uh, you think if this is the best thing, then you would want other people to know, right? You think back to the beginning video that I showed you, the guy that got the N64, there was nothing that, there was nothing that, that kid could do except for just start screaming at the top of his lungs and fist pumping in the air because he got exactly what he wanted. He thought it was the coolest thing ever. Like, there was no way that he could fully enjoy that moment or getting that Nintendo 64 without making that, you know, that exclamation. 
But even more, that we know the end of the story, right? We know that one day people will, all the peoples of the world will, will bow down and worship God. So not only do we have the best piece of news, but we also know the, how it's going to end. So we, there is no reason to be scared or overwhelmed by the numbers um, because we know how it's going to end. Uh, I think back to when A&M beat Alabama a few years ago, uh, and that was one of the coolest moments, I think, for me as an Aggie, that, you know, A&M goes into the SEC, and all the sports commentators are saying that we're about to just get absolutely pummeled, about to get wrecked, that we're not, we should have stayed in the Big 12 because we're not going to be able to make it, right? And then we get in, and we start winning some games, and then people are like, okay, okay, maybe A&M's decent, but then we go to Alabama, and we go to Tuscaloosa, and we're going to play Alabama in their, in their own stadium, a team that's won so many national champions over the past couple of years, right? And we get in there, we're the complete underdogs in the situation, and then I just remember Johnny Manziel fumbling the ball and then throwing a little law pass to Ryan Swoop in the end zone. And then all of a sudden, like, oh my gosh, we're winning this game, right? We're winning this game. And I, I kid you not, people in College Station were running out of their door down the street yelling and screaming excited because we had just beat Alabama, right? We had just done this. Well, that's how I, th- I think we should be feeling about the gospel, right? Because in that game, we, yeah, we had hope that we were going to win Alabama. I knew we were going to win Alabama, but it, it wasn't a for sure thing, right? And then it happened, and people were so excited. They were running down the street, ex- just ecstatic. Well, we know the end game of where the world's going, right? We, we can look at Revelation and read that every nation will bow, and all these people will sing and praise God for who he is. And we do have that news that, hey, we, we're winning. God has won. And, uh, and yeah, I, I think about also when I, I was in East Asia this summer, and we would go and we would talk to students who had absolutely no idea who Jesus Christ was, right? If they had even heard the name Jesus before, it was because they knew that he was a leader of a religion uh, or that, you know, he was some famous guy. He was completely related with the West and America and all this stuff. But they had absolutely no idea that um, people thought that Jesus was God or that he came into this world to die for them or that he loved them. The idea that a God loved these people was just such a foreign like, thing that they, like, it, it had never even somewhat registered. And getting to tell these people that for the first time you could see the joy on their face. You could see, wait, wait, what? You know, and we dig into a little bit deeper and they'd be like, what? what, what? You know, they would constantly be like learning more and more things about Jesus and it would open up their eyes to um, who he was. And I think in that moment, one of the biggest things that I learned was I got to experience things that I thought I already knew about God um, in a whole new way. And at the beginning of Psalm 96, the first line, it says, sing to the Lord a new song. So why does it say sing to the Lord a new song? It's because every day that you grow as a believer, you're going to experience new things about God and you're going to learn, learn more and more things about the reality of who he is and his characters. And it's going to all you can really do in that situation is worship. And you're not worshiping, worshiping anything new necessarily. God's love is unchanging. It's always there and it's always absolutely supreme, right? But so it's not the love for you that's new, but it's the way that you're, the way that you're growing in it, the way that you're learning about his love is what's new to you. And so you sing these new songs uh, over and over and over again. But one of the things that I thought was amazing when I was reading through this, and I don't know if y'all have ever had this moment where you're reading through scripture and you find a passage and it's just like, 
and your mind just kind of like explodes because you're, you're like, this is, this is amazing. This is gold. So Psalm 96, like I was saying, it starts off with sing to the Lord a new song. And then it goes through about us declaring to the nations who God is and that one day they'll sing along with us. And if you look, fast forward to the end of your Bible in Revelations 5, 9, it, it says this. It says, and they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every nation or from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you made them a kingdom and priest on our, to God and they shall reign on the earth. And I was reading that and to me that was just insane because we, in Psalm 96, we see the instruction that we have right now to sing and praise God and worship God and to declare his name among the nations. And then God gives us a kind of flash forward at the end of the Bible about one of those new songs that we will be singing for all eternity. Um, and it's, there's, there's nothing new there. We know that Jesus came and that Jesus is worthy and that he was slain for our blood. But it's the fact that, man, every tribe and language and people and nation is singing this new song because his name was declared across the world and people knew who Jesus, who Jesus was. Uh, and so kind of to start closing and wrapping up here, to belong to Jesus, to be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ as the word means, means that you're loving the things that Jesus loves, um, that you're embracing the things that Jesus loves and the things that he loves so much that he died for, right? And the utmost being the nations and his people. Um, and so if you are a Christian, those are the things that you should love. So my question in the beginning was, how should you feel about these things? Like I was saying, you should feel a passion for these. You should feel an exhilaration for these different things. The statement in verse 3, it says, declare his glory among the nations. That's, that's not a complex sentence. There's, there's no crazy Greek that you have to learn there in order to understand that, that phrase. It says, declare his, declare his glory among the nations. It's not complex. And so, for y'all, how do, you, how do you take a passage like this and in any way remotely apply it? Because the reality is for most of y'all, y'all have the next one to five years of your life chalked out already, right? Most of y'all are going to be here in College Station, um, either at A&M or Blinn, going to school, working part-time, you're involved in organizations here and there. So how do you enlarge your heart, as I said from the beginning, around the nations and feel for them the way that God feels for them in your current situation? How, how should you feel about them? Um, well, a couple years ago, uh, Greg Mott, who's the guy that started Breakaway way back in the day, he came and he talked on missions. And he said that um, every Christian falls into one of three categories when it comes to missions. You're either a goer, you're a sender or a supporter, or you're a disobeyer. Um, and for me, that was like, you know, super like, oh gosh, I think I'm the disobeyer right now. <laughs> um, but that's what he says. He says, you're either a goer, you're a sender or a supporter, or you're a disobeyer. As far as missions goes, that's really, that's really it. And so what I, what I ask y'all is, don't use the excuse that I'm in college right now for the next one to five years as an excuse of, oh, I'll get involved in loving the nations and embracing the nations and enlarging my heart around them at another time. God's saying that you fall into one, that you either love me or you don't. You, you declare my nations, you declare my glory to the nations or, or you're not. And so for y'all, how, how can y'all practically get involved in that right now with the reality that y'all are here um, at A&M for the next one to five years? And that's kind of where I want to go ahead and close up here. And I found a couple of resources for y'all and then I got some other ideas. So first off, there's two books that I think would be 
really helpful for you if you've never thought about these things before. Or even if you have things that can start to enlarge your heart around the nations. The first one being uh, Operation World by uh, this guy named Jason Mandrick, I think. I don't know how to say his last name. Um, but if you, if you aren't familiar with Operations World, what it is, is it's a, um, it's a book and him and another guy went through every single country on the face of this planet. And what he did is he, he told you how many people, how many different people groups are in each of these countries, how many different languages are spoke, spoken, um, what's the political climate like, what's the economical climate like, what are the social uh, contexts like, do these people like each other, do these people hate each other. And then he goes through and he gives you prayer requests specifically for each nation and for each people group. And it's amazing. So if you've never actually started to think about the nations before, this is an amazing place to start in getting that book. And you can probably get it for really cheap or you might even be able to get it for free in some scenarios. But you can start to read through this and start praying for the nations. Start thinking about nation, the nations um, and see them the way that God sees them. Let the nations be glad by John Piper. A lot of the stuff that I got from Psalm 96 and throughout this is from that book. It's, it's an amazing book about what does it look like for us to go into the world and have a passion for the nations. Uh, if you read that book, just f- be forewarned, you are probably going to want to go to the nations. But anyways, some things that you can do here. Okay, so while you're at A&M, while you're in College Station, what are some things that you can do right now to be involved in missions to the nations? Uh, well, at Grace, we have two things. There's a global outreach ministry, and a lot of the things that they do is they do ministry towards international students. So uh, you can you go and you meet international students that are here studying for the next two to four years, um, and you can have conversation partners with them. Or a couple weeks from now, we're having a big furniture giveaway where we're inviting international students to the church to come grab furniture for free for their houses that are completely unfurnished. And when they're here, you can talk with them and you can start to build relationships with them. And the cool thing about these things is uh, about the Global Outreach Ministry and Launch Global is that you're directly interacting with international students that are here at A&M while you here and they're going to have the advantage of being able to go to a country that you might not ever be able to go to or that you might not have ever thought about going to before and if you can influence and impact them here then think of what they can do in the future and you're reaching the nations through these these people launch global is kind of the same thing but they do evangelism training for people that are planning on going into the mission field one day and so if you've never been if you've never done evangelism they go on campus and they literally just teach you how to be a missionary and to the people around you i mean then lastly i would as far as going abroad, like I was saying, I just got back from a mission trip to East Asia this summer. And guys, it was absolutely um, amazing. And I, and I don't say that as in like a, a gloating, like, yeah, I went on this mission trip and it was cool and, you know, y'all didn't. But I, I'm trying to help y'all see that there were things that I got to see while I was over there that I will never get to see here. And I get different ministry opportunities here and I get to do amazing things uh, here at Grace Bible Church and in the States and in Texas and all this stuff that I absolutely love. But there's something about going to a different people group of going to a different nation that's completely outside of your comfort zone and ministering and bringing the gospel to them that you'll never really get to experience where you're at. And so what I would say is if you've never thought about going on a summer mission trip before, it's not too early to begin thinking about it. If you put it off until signups come around or the end of signups, you, you're not as likely to go. But if you start praying right now and asking God, man, do you want me to go on a trip? Do you want me to go out to your people? Do you feel as one of those goers? You know, like I told you, the three categories. Goers is one of them. If you've ever thought that that might be something, go on one of these trips. It's 
it, it's six weeks long and you get to experience that in six weeks. And lastly, supporting a missionary. So some of y'all aren't called to be goers. Some of y'all are, and hopefully in hearing all of this, it, maybe it's weighed on your heart a little bit. Man, I, I should pray about this. I should think more about being a goer. But some of y'all aren't going to be goers. And in that case, you're going to be the senders and supporters. And so start doing that now. Start getting involved with the nations now and look at, man, there are hundreds and thousands of missionaries that are 100% support raised based. And I can help them through prayer and through financial support of helping them go to these nations and you can partner with them in that. Um, and so that's kind of all I have this morning, guys. Um, like I said, my, my goal is that you would begin to enlarge your heart around the nations, that you would begin to hopefully see the nations in the way that God does um, and not feel convicted or burdened to go to the nations because it's this tragedy out there and you're going to be the light to them. But to understand that God's heart is to see the nations worshiping him. And we know that one day they will. And so you have the mission set out in front of you. And if you would enlarge your heart to the size that God has for them, um, that you could be a part in that. And so uh, I'm going to pray for us. And then um, I think we have a little bit more um, songs that we're going to sing. Father, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you so much for Psalm 96 um, and getting to see see your heart for the nations and your heart for them worshiping you and us worshiping you with them. God, I pray that everybody in here, whether they feel that they are a goer, a sender, um, or a supporter, Lord, that they um, would ask you, what is their role in uh, missions? And how, ask, ask you, how should I feel about the nations right now? What is a way that I can uh, interact with the nations um, right now and um, be obedient to you? So God, I thank you so much for this morning, and I, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to freely study your word, and we pray all this in your son's name. Amen.